The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Good day. Today we're talking with a man who is saving the planet from Winchester, Massachusetts. Jason Lewis is a state representative here in Massachusetts serving up on Beacon Hill. Jason, how are you? Hi, Rob. I'm uh, doing well. Thank you. And uh, thank you for the invitation to join you today on the show. Well, you're just, I'm here in Cambridge. You're just up the road in Winchester? That's right. I'm, I'm virtually your neighbor. Yeah, for those of us who don't know the local geography too well, um, Winchester is separated from Cambridge by like one town or something. And um, so you guys survived the, snow, the big snow, the big blizzard we had yesterday. We we did we did we didn't get too much snow and my uh, daughters were uh, not too happy about that they were expecting a <laughs> snow day and woke up in the morning to find that uh, they were, <laughs> were going to be going to school after all oh life is tough so um, it's been a pleasure that you could take the time to talk with me today because I'm really pleased about the leadership that you've been showing in the House of Representatives on Beacon Hill at the state level of politics. Uh, in particular, um, you have authored a bill that is, a, that is reducing solid waste and increasing recycling. Uh, this is an important step forward to cleaning up this planet. Uh, tell us about the bill. Sure. Well, the, um, to, to put this in a little bit of context, you know, one of the, the um, you know, absolute highest priorities that, that – uh, you know, that I have and that I, I, I know is shared by you and many others is, uh, you know, is combating uh, climate change. And there's no, you know, obviously no uh, silver bullet. There's no single strategy. We really have to take a, you know, a multifaceted a- approach um, to um, uh, preventing climate change or mitigating the impact of climate change. And so I, I see you know, one area where there's a lot of room for opportunity to um, both um, have environmental benefits as well as uh, cost savings, you know, is in the area of reducing the amount of solid waste that is generated by um, homes and, and businesses. And uh, a big part of doing that is, is, is increasing recycling. Um, there are other yes. strategies, uh, reduction, of, um, uh, re, you know, reduction in the first place, um, and uh, other strategies, but um, recycling is certainly needs to be a very important part of that. So the legislation that I uh, pr- have proposed in the Massachusetts uh, House of Representatives aims to take a fairly um, comprehensive approach uh, to uh, e- reducing the amount of solid waste and increasing recycling. Right. So you're sort of walking back the cat from 
you know, the amount of tonnage of stuff that's going to landfills or transfer stations. Is that that's where you, because you're not yeah, like working uh, on yes. packaging well, or something. Yes, it, it, it is, it, it is a multifaceted uh, approach, um, which I'll, I'll um, get, uh, take you through in one, one, one second. I just wanted to, you know, uh, mention because also what's guiding this uh, effort is um, that um, the state of Massachusetts does have rec- have a recently updated uh, solid waste master plan, uh, which is really a, a, a terrific piece of work. Um, it was the effort was led by the Devo- Department of Environmental Protection, but there were many many different stakeholders mm. and constituencies you know who were part of that, and and w- and one of the very key goals in this plan is you know, over the coming decades to move Massachusetts to as close to a zero-waste state as we can possibly get. You know, while we may never get ultimately to uh, all the way to zero-waste, we've got uh, a lot a lot of room for improvement from where, you know, where we are today, um, you know, in, in, in the state, which is maybe around uh, 30% recycling rate. So there's a lot of room for improvement. So this particular legislation... Um, which is uh, referred to, uh, the bill I filed, as an act to reduce solid waste, increase recycling, and generate municipal cost savings. The, uh, there's basically f- uh, five parts to the bill. The, the first uh, uh, piece of the bill uh, calls upon the DEP, the Department of Environmental Protection in Massachusetts, to establish annual performance goals for municipal waste reduction. Um, so this means that for individual municipalities, cities and towns, um, and we have 351 in total in Massachusetts, this would set performance goals um, so that the communities that currently do not do a good job um, managing solid waste and, and encouraging recycling will be brought up over time to the level of our top performing communities, uh, which are doing a great job. And everybody the, would be compared against themselves that way so that everybody gets if they make an effort, that will be noted in their next performance and stuff. Yes, that's right. That's right. So we don't assume that you know every community you know can or should be at at the same level uh, overnight because communities are all different right. and uh, they have different um, you know the uh, the makeup of the community is different and and uh, that all impacts the amount of solid waste that's generated and how much uh, recycling goes on. But this would create. The, you know, some goals so everybody would be um, working every year to improve their performance. Then the second part of the bill would increase uh, the enforcement of waste bans, um, which we already have in place, so recyclable materials are already banned from the waste stream, and this mm. would grant the, the DEP the greater authority to enforce the waste bans on generators of waste, um, haulers, and also disposal facilities. So this is just a way to try to make those waistbands, um, you know, more effective. And, and this is largely an issue around paper, um, because we see a, still a substantial amount of paper products, cardboard, and so on, you know, making its way into the solid waste stream when it should be recycled. Right. You're putting a little more teeth and enforcement into it. Yes, exactly. incentives to, you know, do right. Yeah. To do to do right and giving the because yeah, the DEP would would um, you know would like to do more enforcement but they really haven't had some of the authority that they need and and they also do lack the resources as well and we'll get to that in a minute um, and then the third component of the bill would um, focuses on waste haulers and it would strengthen the oversight of the haulers um, they today haulers waste haulers uh, many function very much at the local level and they they register with the local city or town typically the board of health. 
Um, but this bill would now require, would take that up to the state level and haulers would register with the DEP and uh, would be subject to appropriate regulation. Um, so there's some uh, carrot and stick in that because there would be some um, you know, new requirements um, that they'd be subject to, but from the haulers' perspective, it would also um, mean they wouldn't be subject now to patchwork regulation where they might be different from town to town or city to city. Um, so there's yeah, some benefit from their perspective as well in, the, in that requirement on, of the bill. That's good also because if you're a reputable hauler, it's not right for you to be underpriced by someone who's just got a pickup truck or something or, you know, that, you know, someone who's just not so reputable is cutting corners to be a cheaper bidder because towns are obligated to go with the cheapest bidder. That's right. Exactly. Very, very important point. Uh, the fourth component of the bill would be a re- uh, to um, re- revolves around improving uh, data collection uh, and reporting of solid waste and recycling. Um, we have some data today that's collected at the local level and some data that's reported to the state, uh, to the Department of Environmental Protection, but there's, um, there's some gaps in that data. Um, it's not always apples to apples, um, so we want to sort of implement more standardized reporting of that data so we will, as a state, we will know where we stand and, and whether we're making progress toward our, you know, our goals of, of, of uh, getting as close to zero waste as we can. The lastly, uh, the last piece of the bill is really focused on how do we provide some additional uh, money um, to help pay for the, um, you know, all of the other elements of this bill because it does take some, it will take some additional work on the part of the state, uh, DEP, municipalities, haulers, um, and generators. And so uh, the bill creates uh, what we call a zero waste fund. It would be a, a special purpose fund. Uh, held at the state level, uh, managed by the DEP. And the money in this fund um, would come from fees and assessments uh, under the bill, as well as a new uh, $1.50 surcharge that would be levied by the DEP on each ton of solid waste that would be disposed of. And so that's modeled after uh, surcharges that many other states already levy, um, on, typically on a, on a per tonnage basis. So that money, um, the surcharge, and any fees and assessments would go into the zero waste fund and then would be used specifically to support municipal uh, and other uh, recycling efforts. It would be used to assist haulers in meeting their obligations under the bill, and it could be used to fund other um, solid waste management programs that would be uh, determined by the DEP to uh, help the state achieve its solid waste reduction goals. That's so important because... I mean, you're in Winchester, and I live in Somerville, and our communities can generate enough to really do it right, but smaller communities just don't have the resources to muster all of what's necessary to do the right kind of trash moving, right? Exactly, and, and you know, there's lots of different strategies um, that are being used to encourage, you know, it starts with education and awareness, uh, single stream is proving effective in some communities, smart-based programs, you know, also known as pay-as-you-throw, but the challenge is all of these programs take some resources to, um, you know, to implement. Um, and right. Typically, you, you know, you save money over time as the amount of solid waste is reduced and tipping fees are reduced and, um, and the community, you know, will, will do well as a result uh, and households can save money as well. But it just does take typically some investment up front. That's right. And that's what people don't have is the upfront money to put forward and stuff. So it's exactly. excellent you have a fund in there to get them through that initial bid. 
even if they have to pay it back over time, it's better than having to upfront the cost and stuff. Yeah. But I guess I won't have to pay it back. They'll, um, these are, as you said, this is funds raised from fines and other things and stuff. And from the, uh, from the surcharge. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. the other thing I wanted to say is that, you know, I, um, uh, I view this piece of legislation as a, as a place to start from. You know, it's a complicated challenge, uh, dealing with solid waste and, and recycling. There's many different players. There's um, challenges are different in different communities, um, different for small businesses versus very large businesses. Um, so my hope is that this starts a conversation, and there are a few other of my uh, colleagues who've also, you know, offered um, potential solutions in this in this area. And um, you know, my, I'm really looking forward to working with the Environment and Natural Resources Committee, which, which is has a jurisdiction over these various bills, and uh, hopefully crafting a bill that, you know, everybody can buy into all the different constituencies and can really move the, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts forward in this area and make us a leader. It sounds very comprehensive and yet also incentivizing so that you're not telling municipality what's the number one thing that you've got to get out of the solid waste stream, you know, because different communities will have different kind of waste issues based on the industries in the community and, and a number of factors, I suppose. So it's yes. good that, that you encourage each municipality come up with its own solutions within those guidelines, and uh, as they do, they'll get support from the state. That, that's that's really right, and and you're uh, absolutely right. It's a good point, and you know, I'm personally, um, uh, you know, it's my own opinion. Uh, I I believe very strongly in wherever possible in uh, pay as you throw programs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because I think those have been proven to um, just the same way that we, uh, you know, people pay for their electri- electrical use or water or sewer. Or, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, gas or or oil. It, you know, you you pay based on the amount you use, so it makes you aware of uh, of the how much and and more attuned to conservation. I think the same is true when it comes to solid waste and recycling. So I personally think that type of an approach has been is very effective and also more equitable. But this bill sp- purposely does not di- you know require uh, communities to pursue any any specific strategy that's left up to kind of the their uh, communities to and to determine on their uh, for themselves you know what they what they think is the the best local solution yeah i think that's really important cuz otherwise the pay as you go gets um, blame is people don't like suddenly having to pay and so they'll blame your bill for making them suddenly pay Yes. This way, you avoid that cultural thing. You know, urban communities have never paid before, uh, and I was in a—I used to live in Boxford, and that was a big deal bringing it in. You know, everyone was saying, "Well, we're going to get compactors and make one bag weigh ten tons, you know, to save money and stuff." <laughs> right, <laughs> right. This of it, you know, and and um, so it is a cultural, you know, shock. And, and of course, yes. politically, if you're starting to pose yes. charges on somebody, that is yes. is a good way to kill a bill fast too. So, yeah. um, and, and, and as I was saying earlier, it, it's usually a matter of size. The larger municipalities, they don't need to pay as they go. And, um, and yeah, yeah it's just, it's just yeah, you're wise. This is good. Yeah. And, you know, I think over time it is a bit of a cultural change for people to think about, you know, paying more if you throw away more and, and, and saving money if you throw away less and recycle more. But, you know, if we want to have a sustainable planet, then that's the kind of mindset we have to start to create uh, for, for all of us. And you um, are incentivizing it by telling the community that they have to pay more per ton. You know, they have to pay yeah. fifty or whatever it was. There was a price for, you know, and so that the, the town has to figure out amongst itself whether it's going to, 
transfer that cost back to the members and pay, you know, tipping to pay, you know, at the trash can or in some other way. But either way, it incentivizes the community to pull together and reduce their solid waste as a community. And that's, yes, that's more yes. important than trying to, you know, penalize one guy who's got twice the trash of his neighbor or something. Yep, that's right. That's right. It creates a good overall, hopefully positive incentive. And, you know, communities today are paying anywhere from 60 to $80 in uh, you know, a tipping fee, basically, for uh, solid waste disposal. And that's uh, whether it goes and gets buried in the landfill or gets uh, sent to a waste yeah. energy uh, incinerator. Um, so there is a pretty strong economic incentive, but... Um, you know, even with that today, there's so many communities that uh, don't uh, really uh, make it a priority to try to reduce the, you know, the amount of solid waste. And every, uh, and when that's uh, any uh, ton, every for every ton of recycling, you know, the the value goes up and down with world markets. But uh, typically, it, it costs the the community either nothing to dispose of it, or maybe they even make a little bit of money. Um, right. So uh, there, there already is a pretty um, should be a pretty good healthy financial incentive. Um, but you know, not that many, too few communities well, bill, are really acting on that. This bill is so important because it, it, it jumpstarts that. You know, communities don't like paying the tipping fees, but as in Somerville, we just came out with a whole new you know recycling bins that are enormous on wheels and stuff, and you know that's a lot of upfront money. And um, most communities they just want to avoid the whole issue and just pay more and more tipping fees. And so this bill, if it gets approved and and funded. Um, will show promise of, you know, somewhere down the road, the community can get the money to jumpstart the recycling effort in yes. the way that it needs to be done. Because if you don't do it right, no one's going to participate in it. It really does or have to be done will. right. It, and you have to take your, go slowly. And, it, and education is such an important component of this because, you know, people, most people get it that recycling is a good thing, both for the environment and for their, you know, the pocketbook. But still, it's confusing as to what can and can't be recycled. And, and uh, you know, there's still challenges to overcome having the right containers and you know having a regular um, pickup um, where there's not transfer stations. And so those things all need to be work make to make it uh, easy for people to. You just have to make it easy. People would love to participate if it's easy. Yeah. When it's not easy, they're full of reasons why not to participate. Yeah. Right. This is right. really excellent. Um, what other bills are you? Well, I guess we're going to take a short break because it's about that time, and we'll be right back with Jason Lewis after this break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners 
partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI Actions and Events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI Eco Steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're back. We're talking with State Representative Jason Lewis from Winchester in Stoneham, Massachusetts. Uh, Jason was just talking about uh, a bill in the House uh, at the State House here in Massachusetts uh, to address, uh, what's the name of the bill, Jason? Uh, the bill is an act to reduce solid waste, increase recycling, and generate municipal cost savings. And... And this legislator isn't just doing one bill to green the planet and address climate change and global warming. Uh, there's a number of bills you're working on um, or that you're working with others on, uh, whereas the first bill we talked about, you're the author of it. And then, then there are these bills that you're a co-sponsor of, uh, such as uh, addressing the plastic bag problem. What's that? Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm proud to be uh, a co-sponsor of a number of other very good environmental bills that are um, uh, up for consideration in the Massachusetts uh, legislature. The one, uh, Rob, that you just mentioned is a, a bill that would deal with trying to uh, really reduce the number of uh, plastic bags, uh, which are such uh, you know, a bean of our environment. Um, just You see them all over the place in trees and parks, and, and as we know, they're a huge problem in our oceans. Um, mm. causing all kinds of damage to marine life. So um, uh, there's a, a bill that um, two of my colleagues, uh, Representative Lori Ehrlich and uh, Representative Denise Provost, have filed similar bills that would basically ban the use of plastic shopping bags um, with an exemption for very small stores, um, but it would require, uh, and it has certain requirements on in terms of paper bags, you know, being uh, largely recycled material. Um, but the hope would be that uh, people over time, and we've seen this in other uh, places, particularly other countries that have already taken this step, you know, people will uh, start to use uh, re- uh, reusable bags, cloth bags, and uh, yes. other types of bags uh, rather than, move, you know, going to paper. Um, so this ba- bill wouldn't ban paper bags, but, the, again, the intent would be to move people over time to using reusable shopping bags. So they make it more of a luxury to use a plastic bag. 
Uh, that's right. And, and in fact, this, this, there are different versions of the bill. There are some that would, you know, uh, have a fee, uh, assessed for each plastic bag, so a disincentive to plastic. The, 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 the bills that, um, I'm, would, um, you know, supporting that I'd really like to see move forward are the, these two bills from Rep, Rep Ehrlich and Rep, uh, Provo that would actually, uh, outright ban, uh, plastic shopping bags in, at least in larger stores. Yes, you've got two good individuals there, Rep Provost from uh, Somerville and Ehrlich from Marblehead. Yes. And two champions for environmental issues in many ways. Um, and, and so this is good. They're, they're putting up two racehorses on addressing the plastic, plastic bag. That's right. Problem. Yeah. And they're, and they're, you know, and they're, and they're sensible bills. You know, they don't, yeah. for example, they don't ban plastic bags used in, uh, for example, for produce in the supermarket. You know where you might you right. know, put your broccoli in a bag, or, like so they're yeah. you know they're not trying to be completely unreasonable. But where we can do away with bags, uh, largely at the checkout counter, um, and you know we we know. Uh, in fact, I've you know largely switch I've switched over. And the nice thing with reusable bags is they're so much stronger. You know they yeah. never break and they hold more. Uh, and um, you know and you feel good using them. Um, I just have to remember always to bring them into the store with me. That's right, and, and I actually have some an insulated bag that I try to bring once in a while when I'm getting cold stuff, and you know, so it's the right. stuff keeps better on the way home. Yeah, um, that's another. You know, thing. I, I find I'm walking more because I live in Somerville. So, uh, you, the last thing you want is your bag giving away when you're walking home with the groceries. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you see in the stores now because people are concerned about baking, so now they they'll like double or triple plastic bag it. So you know, for yeah. one bag of groceries, you're using three plastic bags. Yeah, and, and really the bag's extremely wasteful amount too. Yeah. Right. Okay, we don't have a lot of time. We got a lot of great bills you're working on. Uh, one bill that keeps coming up before the House and the Senate is the bottle bill. Yes. And um, um, thank you for your leadership there. Tell us about that. This is a top top priority for me, and I know for many people in the environmental community in Massachusetts. Uh, you know, it's a common sense bill. The original bottle bill, uh, I think the very first bottle bill in the country, I believe, was uh, the one implemented in Massachusetts um, back in the early 1980s. And you know, very simple premise: you put a, a, a small deposit on containers, and uh, that gives people an incentive to redeem them uh, so that they can get recycled. The problem we have is that that when that original bottle bill passed in the early 1980s, and by the way, that's been the single most successful recycling program in in Massachusetts. Um, at that time, we didn't have people getting uh, water in a bottle. Uh, we didn't have iced right. tea in a bottle. We didn't have juices and yeah, uh, vitamin waters. So right. We yeah. didn't have. <laughs> I think the only thing we maybe had pineapple juice in like those little small cans. I remember those. But yeah. uh, all of these new products that have become on the market in the in the 30 years since then, and none of those containers have a deposit. So what we see, not surprisingly, is the containers, the soda and beer bottles, soda cans and so on that do have a, d- a deposit, those are redeemed or recycled at about an 80% rate. So very right. high you recycling. You don't see them on the roadside anymore. You don't see those on the road and beaches and parks. Now, on the other hand... The containers, like the water bottles, iced tea containers, juices that don't have a deposit, the recycling rate on those is estimated to be in the 20 to 30 percent range. So um, those uh, containers are uh, are ending up in parks and beaches and in in, in the the waste uh, solid waste stream. Um, so the the uh, the bill that's being led in the House by Representative John Hecht, uh, a good friend of mine uh, from Watertown, uh, and a great leader on this issue. 
um, would update the bottle bill and, 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 and include these new containers and make some other changes to modernize the bottle bill in Massachusetts. This is excellent. I, I went to a hearing about the bill, and I was impressed by, I got there early, and the other guys early were the bottle haulers themselves, that they had been working so hard collecting these bottles to get them to recycled, and yet they haven't gotten a raise since the bill was first passed, and uh, it, it's a very difficult uh, to business for them. That, that's a good point, and that's another benefit of this bill. It would increase the um, essentially the redemption fee so that those uh, of the, the businesses that are um, collecting and redeeming these, these bottles would be able to you know, make a go of it. Yeah, employ people. How about that? That's right. It's another, yep, exactly, another employment opportunity in, uh, you know, in the green economy. And yet the, the drinker wouldn't pay more per bottle. Um, that's, yes, that's right. Well, there would be still the still paying a nickel either the, way. The consumer wouldn't, would pay that, that extra nickel. Um, but then again, you, you get that back if you, if you choose to redeem the, you know, the, the container. Right. It's just like the other, um, the soda bottles that we have been paying and stuff. Yes. It just stands it. Exactly. It doesn't increase the price per right. bottle. It just increases the types of bottles. Yes, and containers right. that are covered. That's right. And, you know, and yet, in, in, in uh, public opinion surveys, uh, this has been a very popular issue. I mean, we've seen ar- ar- around 80% of the public saying that they would support this. Yes, and, and I know in 2012 that about a third of the legislators on Beacon Hill were supporting it. And so the trick is to get another third to come on board and you'll have a bill. No. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's what we're hoping. We've been working hard on this for many years. Um, unfortunately, there has been opposition, you know, from some uh, some uh, parts of the bottling industry and uh, retailing, you know, retail industry. Um, but you know, my hope is that uh, you know we can we can uh, we'll get this this bill passed uh, in the near future. And and actually, um, it is uh, it looks like it's going to be on the ballot in Massachusetts. Um, you know, uh, we have a, uh, a, pub- a citizen referendum uh, p- process uh, here in the Commonwealth. Oh, good. And enough signatures were gathered to put this, uh, likely put this issue on the ballot uh, in our, in our uh, next election in November. So a November if election. Legis- yes, if the, if the legislature doesn't act, then uh, the citizens will have a chance to vote directly on, on, on this issue of updating the bottle bill. Okay, stay tuned for that. Uh, and... Uh, another bill that is very near and dear to me is this uh, Safer Alternatives to Harmful Chemicals bill. Tell us about that. That's another great bill. Um, the leader on this issue has, uh, for a long time, has been Representative uh, Jay Kaufman from Lexington, which is a neighboring community to where I live in Winchester. Um, it's also known as the Healthy Families and Businesses Act, and this bill would create a program to support businesses and manufacturers to enable them to transition away from uh, using uh, toxic chemicals in, in specific products where there are um, safer alternatives available and that are feasible. So it, uh, it would build upon the successful Toxic Use Reduction Act, which uh, uh, Massachusetts put in place um, uh, more than 20 years ago. It, it really incentivizes entrepreneurs and, and uh product developers to find a safer alternative to the chemical that's hurting us, and if they can come up with it, the state will encourage its use. And so often, yes. you come up with something, and then you have to charge a little more than the, the, the harmful one, Right. and uh, this helps to level that playing field somehow, I would think. 
Yes, I think it, it, it creates the good, a good, you know, in, uh, it really overcomes a, a, a market uh, failure, I would say, um, where yeah. the market might value these chemicals, you know, might price these chemicals uh, at, at a lower cost, but because it doesn't reflect the true toxic impact that the, the chemical may have, you know, in terms of public health or, or environmental health. So this is why, you know, we, we step in and we create this positive incentive for healthier alternatives, you know, not so different from the way we're trying to create a, a you know, a, po- a positive incentive for uh, renewable energy. Um, right. Because again, there's uh, the, the cost of dirty coal and, and, and dirty fossil fuels. That cost doesn't fully reflect in the in the private market the true cost of what those um, those fuels are doing to our environment. Yeah. No, it's an elegant bill because it doesn't. Uh... Uh, you know, it doesn't say we're going after mercury poisoning and everything, all the thermometers or something. It's it's saying, look, if there's a safer alternative, we're going to encourage using it. And it's up to, uh, you know, after the law is passed, it's up to figure out what qualifies for that. That's right. Again, exactly. It doesn't mandate specific chemicals. It, it's, it, it's more open-ended and flexible, as you said, where there are safer alternatives, let's incentivize those uh, to be replace the uh, toxic aversion in, in, in specific products. Yeah, California does the opposite. Every time a new product comes up, they have a product bill. So they have lots of okay. bills, that, you know, because yeah. there's always a, you know, but um, this is excellent. Uh, Jay Kaufman did come on uh, Lawyers Environmental Dialogues a while ago, so if people are interested in more about this issue, uh, look back at your Voice America programs, and uh, you'll see one with Jay Kaufman for more about that. Um, other bills are um, another bill that you're working on is uh, electric uh, or electronic waste uh, production responsibility. Yes, um, this is I think a very important area. Um, the, the the principle is that I think, and, and this is again another sort of societal change. Um, we've talked about a number of them today on this program. You know where we have to kind yes. of change our mindset and think differently if we want to have, you know, a sustainable planet for our children and grandchildren and great grandchildren. Um, which is the notion that today, when a company manufactures a product, whatever that product may be, their sort of responsibility ends the moment that that product is 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 sold and purchased by a consumer. And the mind, what we need to change is that, that that responsibility should not end at that moment. Um, and in fact, when there are um, certain kinds of waste, that, that particularly those that can be difficult to recycle or can be harmful to the environment, that the producer, the manufacturer, should continue to bear some responsibility to see that those once that product um, has been consumed and uh, now it's being discarded, that that is done in a way that doesn't uh, harm the environment. That's sort of the principle. And um, Representative um, uh, Smizek, um, who is a longtime from uh, Brookline, is a longtime leader in the Massachusetts legislature on, on environmental issues and a, a former chair of the um, Environment Committee. Um, yes, absolutely. He, he's proposed this legislation for a number of sessions, and it's known as the Producer Take Back for um, Electronics, or the e-waste bill. And, and e-waste. Name, e-waste bill. And as the name suggests, it would place... Um, some additional responsibility for the disposal of electronics waste on the manufacturers of those uh, of, of those products. So rather than the consumer or government having to take bear full responsibility for the environmentally safe management of the product, you know when it's been uh, uh, discarded, 
that the manufacturers would would uh, you know assume some response, some of that responsibility. Well, doesn't that make sense? I mean, we get so many ads to upgrade our cell phones and our tablets and our uh, I don't know what you know, <laughs> not garage door openers, but the new stuff you know. So isn't this great that they're putting the onus back on the manufacturers to uh, pick up on the waste stream? Seems only only fair, and you know they're very incentive manufacturers to, you know, market and sell new products, and we all like new new whiz bang electronics, but uh, that does mean we constantly are discarding, uh, you know, older products, and some of them have pretty toxic, uh, you know, uh, raw materials that are in there, and they need to really be disposed of properly. Yeah, and if you don't make it easy, people are going to just stockpile it. You know, yep. I just can't bring myself to throw away a cell phone, so I've got a, a desk drawer full of dead cell phones. You know, <laughs> that's right. And, and yet, you know, I really appreciate that if I buy a new printer, Staples will take back the old printer with no questions asked, kind of thing. Because yes, and um, to be fair, we to your good point, we should say there have been there are certainly already some manufacturers um, who who are take uh, do a great job yes. and and really are. Um, good citizens and uh, take you know uh, voluntarily take responsibility for their products and taking them back and disposing of them properly. So um, really, what this bill in some ways would do is level the playing field so that you know, everybody would have to uh, would have to do that and you know it wouldn't just be those who choose to be good citizens. So the bill doesn't ask anything more than is already being done by the better practices. Uh, that, that that that's that's correct. Pretty basically, yeah. Good for you. This is really interesting. Um, Jason Lewis is representative from uh, Winchester and uh, Stoneham. And uh, if you're interested in uh, these bills, you can learn more about it at Jason's, um, Jason's website uh, as representative. And what is that website? Just uh, that Lewis. is our website where you can learn more about these bills and other legislation I'm working on is repjasonlewis.com. Rep, R-E-P, Jason Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, dot com. And you can also go to OceanRiver.org and click on Blue Green Heroes, and that will lead you to a number of these legislation items um, and also to Jason and the uh, state senators and representatives who have been sponsors of one or more of these bills. Uh, so when we return after this break, we're going to step it up to... Uh, a new initiative that Governor Patrick is taking to address climate change. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners 
partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI Actions and Events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI Eco Steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're saving the planet. And we're saving the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, bill by bill, step by step, with Representative Jason Lewis of Winchester, Mass. And uh, there's an opportunity for, um, uh, we have a, uh, a state senator, Catherine Clark, has gone to Washington to replace Markey's uh, Senate uh, Congress seat. And so the Senate seat is opened up. And it's in the community that includes Winchester and Stoneham. And so Representative Jason Lewis is running for the Senate seat. So if you like what you're hearing about what Jason is doing for the environment with a solid waste bill, a plastic bag bill, a bottle bill, a safer alternative to harmful chemicals, uh, the E, what's it called, e-commerce? E- e- e-waste bill? Uh, the e-waste bill, yes, to get rid of your electronic waste. Um, uh, we will... Um, get to talking about his campaign race, but uh, just a little heads up that uh, this is a, a good person for the environment. And um, you were mentioning that uh, Governor Patrick has taken some pretty clear steps for addressing global warming and climate change. Yes, um, very exciting. You know, Governor Deval Patrick um, ha- and the Massachusetts legislature have been really um, uh, t- uh, taking, um, you know, very... Uh, uh, you know, a uh, strong and, and proactive approach to, you know, to um, renew- encouraging renewable energy, energy conservation, and combating global warming over the last, um, you know, f- five to ten years. And um, uh, back in uh, 2008, the legislature passed and Governor Patrick signed um, the Global Warming Solutions Act, and that uh, set some uh, very aggressive targets to reduce greenhouse gas emissions um, uh, by 25 percent below 1990 levels um, in the, by the year 2020, and then a goal of uh, even more aggressive goal of an 80 percent reduction below 1990 levels by 2050. So those goals have been out there in Massachusetts, and I think you know along with California, perhaps uh, Massachusetts uh, is uh, you know, a leading state has been a leading state on 
combating global warming and climate change. Um, so uh, there's a, been some very good progress that's been made since then uh, to reduce energy use and to um, encourage more wind and, and solar renewable energy. And uh, so now what Governor Patrick um, uh, recently announced as a $50 million uh, set of initiatives um, around uh, climate change uh, preparedness. Um, so we all recognize that, unfortunately, you know, even with reductions in uh, greenhouse gases and significant reductions that we, we need, to do, need to achieve, uh, even so, we're still going to be seeing climate change. And uh, we need to prepare for that change and and um, and, uh, and 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 mitigate the impact of that change. So that's why this the governor's uh, announcement, which has a, a number of facets to it, I think is a uh, you know is very important for uh, for the for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And I think will again set uh, you know uh, uh, you know uh, be uh, you know a leader leader uh, around the country in terms of how we approach climate change. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he also has, you know, committed uh, $1.27 million to watershed stewardship grants as well. So this is very encouraging to see proaction in these areas. Yes, absolutely. And uh, two, I mean, I think two key parts of this uh, this latest announcement is uh, first is to really um, uh, harden our um, ut- uh, electrical generation facilities and distribution and our electric grid so that we will be more resilient in the face of, uh, you know, the superstorms of the future uh, as well as sea level rise in the future. So that's one key component of this plan. And that will provide funds um, really at the municipal level and local level to be able to pursue these, uh, these initiatives to harden our utilities uh, and, our, and then the grid. And then another, um, you know, another key uh, aspect of this is to uh, help with infrastructure like seawalls and dams um, and other initiatives that, uh, particularly as Massachusetts has a, you know, a very densely populated coastline, um, and we need to prepare those areas that are most uh, vulnerable from sea level rise and uh, uh, larger and more intense storms in the future. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, let's let's we've got a few minutes left. Let's bring it home to Winchester, uh, Jason. You are on the finance committee in Winchester, and uh, this is kind of where you all began. Uh, yes. Um, well, the two aspects to this um, was one is that another piece of legislation that uh, the legislature passed and the governor signed back in 2008, along with the Global Warming Solutions Act, was what's called the Green Communities Act. And so around the time that that was being passed into law, I was not in state government, but I was working at, in local government as a volunteer. And um, one of the things I saw as a member of the uh, looking at the local budget was, you know, you're always looking for ways to, to save money because there's never enough. And you're trying to fund your schools and your public safety and the library and other municipal services. And that's that's how I became interested in the uh, area of, of how we could do a better job with solid waste because that was, you know, costing Winchester six, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars a year in, in uh, solid waste disposal fees, just uh, just the tipping fee basically to ship it off to an incinerator, and yeah. uh, that's what originally led to my interest, uh, along with the environmental benefits of of what is now the legislation I've uh, we talked about earlier in this program. Um, so that that that's. Um, speaks to both the 
you know, one of the great things about environmental legislation in many cases is not only do you make the help the, protect and preserve the environment, make it more sustainable, but you also have opportunities uh, for cost savings um, for um, businesses and families and for government. Um, yeah, also, exactly. at the local local level in, in the town I live in, uh, we the community actually has um, gone ahead and, and, and worked hard to achieve the green community designation that comes from the Green Communities Act. And now Winchester's one of about 130 cities and towns in Massachusetts that has achieved that uh, status of being a green community. And um, that's a uh, you know it's a wonderful designation. It's something we're very proud of. Yeah. And there were a number of different uh, uh, hurdles, you know, we sort of had to clear in order to achieve that and showing our commitment to renewable energy, to uh, energy conservation, um, you know, a number of uh, steps like that. And now that we're a green community, we um, the, the town it qualifies for, for grants that can be used to um, make the, the town even more energy efficient and pursue other energy, renewable energy projects. Well, I think that's how I first met you was because members of Sustainable Winchester or in Stoneham, you know, environmentalists said, hey, we've got this guy that wants to run for the house. And um, sure enough, you're the real deal. And and now, um, you're, you know, you mentioned that you were stepping up for the Senate. And I was saying, yeah, go for it because we need, you know, your kind of leadership in the Senate. Well, th- thank you. I'm, I'm excited. It's... Uh... It's a, it's a good opportunity. I've, I've had the privilege of representing my hometown of Winchester, uh, and I do have to give a shout-out to Sustainable Winchester, as you briefly said. They're a grassroots organization that does just fantastic work in the community on green issues. And so I've represented Winchester and the uh, uh, town of Stoneham for the last five years in the House of Representatives, and now the, there's an opportunity to uh, with an uh, open seat in the state Senate. And... Um, that election is uh, coming up very soon. Uh, I'm uh, running in the Democratic primary, which is scheduled for March 4th. And if I'm successful in the primary, the general election is on April 1st. Um, and this is a, a Senate district that includes well, a part of my hometown of Winchester, Stoneham, and also includes the towns of Reading and Wakefield in Massachusetts and the cities of Melrose and Malden. And the primary is March 4th. And that is going to be a tougher race for you, is running against a strong urban uh, Democrat uh, from Malden um, in that, you know, I'm, I'm very impressed at your fundraising prowess. and You've done very well on the fundraising side. The challenge is going to be to get people to go out and vote. And, you know, there are parts of Winthrop where the housing lots are the size of a city block of Malden and stuff. <laughs> so it, it's, it comes down to numbers. Doesn't it? It, it? it does. It's certainly, um, you know, going to be a challenge to get people out to vote. It's it's uh, it's a special election. People uh, are uh, somewhat fatigued because we've had a lot of special elections yes. ever since uh, John Kerry became Secretary of State, and we had to fill his Senate seat and on down. Um, so we're, you know, we're it's a very much a grassroots campaign, and we're reaching out to pe- people at their doors and on the phones and trying to uh, make sure people know about the election and that uh, in the Democratic primary that voters will have a very clear choice. Uh, you know, I'm a progressive Democrat and a, ch- and a champion of environmental issues as well as education and health care, and my opponent um, is uh, also a, a state representative but a much more conservative Democrat. 
Um, yes. So uh, we're going to be able to give the Democratic primary voters a you know a very clear choice in this election. So if people listening, if they want to hear see this blue green hero Jason Lewis go up to the Senate, please uh, get the word out to anyone you might know in Melrose and Walden and Reading and and the, the voting communities to please take the time and get out and vote because. Not a lot of people get out and vote, especially when it's a special election. It's not the usual time and stuff. And um, that is what's going to make or break it, is whether people get out and vote. Absolutely. And would encourage people who want to learn more about you know, my background and positions on other issues they may care about, uh, please visit our campaign website, which is electjasonlewis.com, electjasonlewis, L-E-W-I-S.com, and would welcome... Um, uh, any support, um, anyone who's in this area and would like to volunteer uh, or donate, uh, we very much appreciate your support. Yes, um, I, I urge you to go to the website, sign up for Jason's e-alerts, and so you can hear about what he's doing, what's happening, what the issues are, how they're evolving. Uh, we're having a house party in Lexington tonight uh, to um, talk about the environmental bills that uh, Representative Lewis is, is championing and also to uh, build support for the election coming up on March 4th. Uh, Jason, we're running out of time here. I really want to thank you for taking the time to uh, explain to help us save the world. Well, it's my pleasure, and uh, thank you for inviting me to join you, Rob. Uh, Jason Lewis is the representative from uh, Winchester and Stoneham. He is running for Fifth Middlesex. Uh, Senate seat. Uh, the election is March 4th for the primary and April 1st for the uh, general. And um, if you'd like to know more about Jason, you can visit his website. Um, if you just Google Jason Lewis, you'll find both his uh, representative site and his campaigning site. Uh, you can also uh, learn more about environmental issues at OceanRiver.org. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening today. And uh, wish you all well. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.